shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Boy lead. Joker. Joker's got it. Joker alley. From Altitude TV, Chris Marlowe and Scott Hastings on the call. Uh, Jokic, of course, with the alley-oop lob to Porter, who, by the way, caught it with the backhand, his right hand, and then dunked that on his way past the basket. It's just a ludicrous highlight as the Nuggets get it going again. Uh, joining us now to talk about it is our friend Ryan Blackburn. You get to hear him regularly on this program. We're very happy to have him. NBA Blackburn is the uh, handle on social, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, as well as the new alley podcast, and our lead writer for everything Nuggets, over at Mile High Sports, uh, Ryan, thanks for joining us. Uh, it is just uh, all systems go for the, the Nuggets. When you see the way they play uh, without Jamal Murray, who they may end up missing uh, sometime, you know, we'll, we'll ask you about that as well. But you see the way that they play last night. Uh, the Pelicans are not a great team. They have injury issues of their own. But the Nuggets do what you expected them to do after a bit of a slow start. They simply, it was it was just a tidal wave. The Pelicans had no chance about midway through the second quarter on. Uh, yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. It was a, a tidal wave is probably the best way to describe it for sure. I mean, what a, what a tremendous run from Denver. 109 points in the final three frames. Uh, they only scored 25 <laughs> in the first quarter. But that's because they started the game shooting one of 13 from three. If you get a normal percentage there, maybe Denver's looking at breaking 150 in the in the first first time for, for them in particular. Interestingly, offense seems to be up around the NBA. There's a lot of high-scoring games. So wonder if Denver's not necessarily alone in this tidal wave, but they seem to be one of the best at doing it. That's for sure. We were talking at the tail end of the show yesterday about the major storylines right now centered on the Nuggets, and uh, I voted for the growth of Michael Porter as maybe the biggest storyline early in the season, and I mean growth perhaps even more on defense than on offense, although in the last three games he has certainly scored well at 22 last night, nine rebounds, three assists, but only a single turnover in 29 minutes, and he was plus 13. But uh, maybe more so than last night, we go back to the Dallas game when he spent so much time guarding Doncic and did about as good a job defensively on Doncic as anybody can do these days against Doncic around the league. It's a, a nice development. It is something that I'm not sure how many people actually saw coming. Uh, when I saw Michael Porter coming into the league, the player that I would comp him to was would have been Carmelo Anthony or a modern version of Carmelo Anthony, somebody who, who shoots a little bit more from the perimeter than from the mid-range, but basically has a lot of the same tendencies. And to be clear, a, a lot of that is held true with Porter, uh, but mostly just from the talent standpoint. He has shown a willingness to commit to the group uh, over the course of this last calendar year or so that I'm, I'm not sure anybody really fully expected. And no. it, it is a massive, a massive, massive value add to what this Nuggets team wants to do because 
he can go from being the fourth option offensively, not necessarily getting a ton of targets, not necessarily getting a ton of shots, to becoming the second option. Like yeah, he did I think he's night, now where, a second option, right? Other than Jokic, he's, he's uh, number two. Th- there is a there is a new pecking order, I think, that's going to be established with Jamal Murray out. Jokic is going to stir the drink. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's the the two-time reigning MVP and all-world top 10 player all time for a reason. Uh, but beyond him, Porter, I think, is the, the second most talented scorer on the team, and he has that extra gear that he hasn't had to deploy for a long time that we might see flash a little bit more frequently over these coming weeks. Is that development, and I, I'm going to put an arm in arm here, because we saw this all started out together. Is that development Michael Malone's greatest success as a head coach? Obviously, I mean, winning a title. Obviously, we're talking about winning a title. But you're talking about when you're coaching players. When you talk about coach, actually coaching players and getting a player from the idea is to get the most out of a player. Is this his greatest success? And, and how have the two of them found, found a way to meet in the middle after such a bumpy beginning? You know, I, I think it's up there. I, I don't think I would put it as his, as his biggest success. I think that that credit has to go to getting Denver's core players to all defend, uh, whether that's Jokic, Murray, Porter. There are a lot of teams that would not have committed as strongly, and obviously Porter's a part of that, but but there's a lot of stars. There's a lot of players. There's a lot of guys that they would, would see what they're doing on the offensive end and think, okay, that's fine. That's good enough. And then they will outscore teams in the playoffs, too. Denver has committed beyond that, too, uh, starting with Jokic and Murray. But I do think that Porter obviously has, has fallen into line there. And getting Porter to fall into line is, of course, a, a very strong point in Malone's favor, where I think they sold him on the vision. They sold Porter on the vision of becoming a championship-caliber role player who has the talent to do more. And Porter has fully bought in. And that is a credit to Malone and the staff for sure. I want to ask you about the bench last night uh, because uh, among those who had double-figure minutes, uh, nobody played as many as 20, but Watson for 19. Strother, we'll talk more in a minute about him. Uh, Brown played 18. Gillespie got 17 minutes of playing time last night. And, uh, uh, received a few before, words right. of uh, encouragement after the game from Nikola Jokic, but I want to ask you about Strother uh, in particular. Uh, you know, he he wasn't going to lead the team in assists last night, apparently, but uh, uh, he certainly got hot from three-point range, and that was really the story of, of, of the game. The Nuggets ended up uh, shooting a lower percentage than New Orleans did from three-point land, but the Nuggets made more threes, uh, 15 to New Orleans 13. And uh, if if you knew at halftime that that was going to be true, even though the Nuggets were down double digits, uh, you were about 90% sure that they'd be able to come back and win and maybe even win easily. Uh, what about Strother uh, and the decision to play him significant minutes uh, last night? Uh, of course, Reggie Jackson in the starting lineup, but he only played five more minutes than Strother did. Yeah, I thought that Malone he was he was picking and choosing and, and using a point guard by committee last night. That's probably how I would describe the way that they're trying to solve the Jamal Murray void because they got that from different pieces. Obviously, Reggie starts, 
Colin Gillespie gets the backup minutes. That didn't go well in the first segment, but it did in the second. That was good, and it was a nice recovery by Colin and the Nuggets bench specifically. Uh, but to your point, one of the things about Jamal Murray that with, with all the playmaking people have sort of forgotten about, the dude can light it up from 30 feet and in. Like He is very capable as a shooter when he gets hot, and, and that is a replicable skill set for a guy like Julian Strother, who they needed him. And they needed his energy. They needed his shot making and they needed that spark, like you said, in, in order to come back from the game. Because if they don't get those shots, if they don't get the building kind of rolling a little bit, even though the the, the team was down fifteen at various points, they, they were down They were down as twenty as, with four oh, yeah, and a half to go in the first half. Yeah. And, and then Strother hits back to back threes right. in the middle of the second quarter and they get it kind of back down to fifteen and you look up and you're like, you know what? The deficit is not really that bad. Oh. At that threshold, the Pelicans had, had shot like 9 of 13 from 3, 10 right. of 14 from right. 3. Right. And you, you realize, you step back and you realize, okay, they're going to cool down, yes, but our guys are just heating up. Yeah. And, and Strother especially was just heating up. He's a, a tremendous shooter. And I think back to something that Calvin Booth said when he drafted Julian Strother and when he drafted Hunter Tyson, Jalen Pickett. He said the, the goal for the team this year was to improve their bench three-point shooting last year the team struggled uh, off the bench with their shooting whether it was jeff green or bruce brown or a rookie christian brown guys like that reggie jackson really struggled when he came in and uh, zeke Naji wasn't shooting threes at all and probably still isn't so they needed somebody who could light it up and it's why i thought that julian strother or somebody like him would be a good fit uh, just to provide some semblance of spacing because that is what he provided and it, it certainly bore fruit last night when it seems to be when that second unit kind of a, a luxury in a way because you know Peyton Watson we know the offense is uh, definitely a work in progress is the guy that didn't even average three points a game is one year at UCLA uh, Christian Brown's shot is at, at this stage uh, we know he's capable but it, it is over the course of his career kind of been hit and miss he hasn't been a consistent shooter but now if you have a consistent scorer coming in off the bench who you know will be able to score, all of a sudden Brown and Watson especially can focus on doing what they do best, which is lock down defense and play within the flow of the game. Strother seems to be almost, uh, and I know it's you know it's very early, but maybe a transformational piece because even Bruce Brown at his best uh, didn't provide that sort of instant consistent offense that has to be respected. Oh, there's no doubt. And I, I think that, with Christian Brown specifically, there are still some things I'm a little bit concerned about from the running of the offense standpoint that the team has tried to hype him up as a, a secondary ball handler, somebody who could create a little bit. And I know he's had a couple of high assist games here or there, yep. but the running of the offense and the actual process of it is still very much a work in progress. I think Gillespie's minutes indicate well, that, right? Gillespie is good at that. Gillespie's a real guard. Even in college, Christian Brown was not a guard. Yeah, he was a wing player. Uh, he's 6'6", 225. Um, I never thought ball handling. I saw every game he played at Kansas. I never thought ball handling was particularly his, his forte. Um, nor was three-point shooting in particular, but uh, he's scrappy. Uh, he makes himself a threat of sorts on offense. He's he's never going to be a big scorer, but yes, I I, I think Gillespie's minutes 
to me, that's a welcome surprise because I didn't know after not playing at all last year whether he'd be in the rotation at all. And here within, what, the first eight games of the year, double he seems minutes. to have worked his way into the rotation. Yeah, I mean, Especially with I'm, Murray I'm out. Gonna, and Murray's going to be out for a while. <laughs> I'm going to put a pin in that because I, I still need to see more from Colin. And I think the team still needs to see more from Colin, too. Because he, he is a two-way contract guy. They did just draft Jalen Pickett as well. Uh, Justin Holiday didn't play last night. I, I think that this team still has some other options that they can go to. And there are, I think, still some worries about Colin's size and his ability to handle certain situations defensively. Uh, much in the way, like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out the Faku Compazzo comparison here. Like I, I think that there are some massive, massive concerns about the size and what it does to Denver's defense when they try to play the way that they've played over the course of these first seven, eight games. The second half was great last night. I do agree with that, but the first half was just as bad, and I, I think that there are some reasons to at least temper expectations there. And it's why I bring up Christian Brown's ball handling, because there, there might be some opportunities for him as a ball handler. And if he's going to continue to grow in that regard, then, then he has to improve in that because they want him to be a backup ball handler. That's what they want eventually. Maybe not the point guard, but somebody who could run some sets. And I, so far, I haven't seen that. And I think that putting in Colin Gillespie is more of a, a Band-Aid on a bullet wound without Jamal Murray and Reggie Jackson on the floor than it is anything else at this point. There's a good point you're making there, Ryan. And we're talking to Ryan Blackburn of, of Miley Sports. NBA Blackburn is the is the social media handle. But uh, the Nuggets, and we, we know this, you know, the, the really good piece about uh, Calvin Booth that maybe Calvin wasn't too happy it was that good about Calvin Booth. But the, the point specifically was that the Nuggets are, uh, they're a long team. They value length. They value size. Uh, it, it is actually one of their focuses. And uh, that's a really good point when it comes to Gillespie. I know you weren't really comparing Composite Gillespie's games. You were comparing the fact that the way the Nuggets want to play, the size can be problematic. And uh, there, there may be something to that. How have you felt with Reggie Jackson being with the starters? We had thought perhaps that maybe uh, Malone would not mess with the bench rotation too much and slide someone else in briefly with the starters. How long do you think this is going to have to go along without Jamal Murray? Well, I, I'm going to... I'm going to just put this on record here and say that Jamal's probably going to be out for at least three weeks to a month. Um, oh, there oh. are, Makes I think sense. There, there's sure. reasons to believe that they, they, they're going to take their, their sweet time with Absolutely. them. And, and it's, it's the right call, obviously, and they're going to need to work through this. And this is going to be something that they're going to have to play probably seven to 10 games, at least uh, trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to handle this? Oh, at least 10 rotation? games. At least 10 oh, yeah. games. I mean, he won't be back until after Thanksgiving. Yeah, they, everybody was pretty cagey about putting on an, an actual date on it, which yeah. means that it's well, a little bit more Well, that means he'll be out a while. Just kind of aim for yeah, December exactly. and, and hope, <laughs> right? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in that camp uh, based off of things that I've heard. Uh, but with Reggie, he, he stepped up and, and did some good things. I, I thought that there were some up-and-down moments in the game last night. I think that sometimes he, he makes what I'd like to call a space cadet decision. And it's like, it can kind of just not make any sense to you, but there were, there were points at the end of the game where he and Jokic are going back and forth in a two man game. That is very reminiscent of Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic. And 
I think that Jokic has done a great job, especially in terms of adapting his game and making sure that everybody is propped up and moving in the same direction. And he's going to find what Reggie does well, and Reggie's going to find what Jokic does well, and they're going to meet somewhere in the middle, and it's probably going to be really good because all minutes with Nikola Jokic are generally really good. Well, let's take a look at the very next game before we let you go. Obviously, they, they, they end up playing tomorrow. It will be the nationally televised late game against Golden State. Good. Uh, at this early going, when we've looked at the teams that were real challengers, you know, people thought like the Lakers. Uh, there's been, you know, since the James Harden trade, which, by the way, that was really a, a, a kind of a sloppy mess. Uh, the Clippers, the Suns. To my mind, even though it is obviously early, the one team that I think stands without a, a significant question mark as to whether they'll be competitors for the Nuggets is the Warriors. To, to my mind, they're the one biggest, as it stands today, uh, kind of contender that the Nuggets have to deal with. What are you going to look for in that game, especially knowing that Jamal Murray won't be there? Yeah, I think one of the good things that the Warriors do, especially defensively, is they speed you up. Is They, they get you into a position where they're, they're generally guarding you pretty closely. They'll put some size on the ball. They'll try to disrupt Reggie Jackson as much as possible. With this rotation, though, and, and with the, the system that they're, they have right now, the only guy that can really do that is Gary Payton on, on their team because Chris Paul's not really going to do it. Maybe maybe Steph even does a little bit of it, but they're probably not going to try to overburden him either. Uh, so I, I, I don't necessarily worry about Denver's offense, but if there was a reason to worry, then that would be the concern. Uh, on the defensive end, though, I mean, there's there's no more dangerous player in the NBA from – 35 feet than Stephen Curry like he has to be uh he, he is the most dangerous player of all time from that zone and, and from the the three-point line so Denver's going to have their hands full uh KCP will chase him around screens they'll switch Reggie and Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon onto him and the way that Michael Porter and, and, and Aaron have, have handled their defensive assignments will be pretty good and they've, they've proven a lot I think that Christian Brown will obviously get a lot of run I think that uh, Peyton Watson and, and Julian Strother might even get some run too. So it is a difficult scheme to try to run up against, especially now you're facing Steph and you're facing Chris Paul. I wonder if playing Colin Gillespie against those two in particular could be pretty dangerous. And that would be, that would be one of my leading concerns just in terms of how many screens are they going to run guys like that through and, and how are they going to try to score? I think that the Warriors are going to put up a bunch of points. I think that the Nuggets will put up a bunch of points too. We will see what happens, but whatever the over is, take it. <laughs> is Ryan Blackburn, NBA Blackburn is the social media handle and, of course, the host of the uh, Alley-Oop podcast, the Pickaxe and Roll podcast at My Life Sports and the lead writer for everything put in together at My Life Sports. Go give him a follow. Get those rotation charts he puts together. They are invaluable for Nuggets fans. Always appreciate the time, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sandy. All right, appreciate it. The, the, the Golden State game is one, but including the Golden State game, there are 11 games remaining in November. Let's say that Jamal Murray takes the rest of the month off and right. I, I aims to come back on Friday, the, December 1st, against the Suns. Let's just hypothetically say that. That's 11 games. Three of those games are against the Houston Rockets. Three. Uh, one is against the New Orleans Pelicans, who we saw the Nuggets demolish last night. But at New Orleans. At New Orleans. At New Orleans. But you, you have Orlando in that mix. You have San Antonio. I know Wembe on is interesting, but... Out of of those 11 games... I actually think Orlando is is decent. They're they're decent. Orlando did a number on the Nuggets last year down there. Cleveland's pretty good. I don't think we know. There are two Uh, games against the Clippers. I don't know what we'll see there. Cleveland's not playing very well right now. But I I guess I look at it and think, if Jamal Murray has to sit out the rest of the month... Oh, sure. 
This is a pretty good window to do it. They're really, I mean, the, the, if you're talking about contenders in the West, you have the game against Golden State, which no matter how long Jamal Murray was going to be out of, he's going to miss that. And you have two against the Clippers, one here, one there. After that, it's it's other conference or bad teams like Houston uh, or, or a San Antonio team that's finding its legs. For Jamal Murray, I, I'm inclined to look at it and say there's no re- See you in December, man. Yeah, there's no rush. Don't worry there's about no it. no rush. And listen, I, I understand New Orleans is a smaller team. They're a little, maybe even a lot, soft defensively. But for all the ball handling concerns... The Nuggets had 37 assists last night, nine mm-hmm. turnovers. That's better than a four-to-one ratio yeah. assist to turnover. So uh, it's everybody who played double-figure minutes had at least one assist. The starting backcourt of Jackson and Caldwell Pope, 11 assists. This is a, a, and this team. only two turnovers. These first eight games, Sandy, I... I I was very concerned at the loss of Bruce Brown, and I still think that will be problematic. Eight games in, this team looks better than the team that won the title. Better. It's deeper. It's early. More flexible. But I agree with you. Better. I, I agree with you. It's and the it's leap a of Michael team, Porter Jr.'s continued rise team. is a big part of it. It's more athletic team. Uh, I, you know, the starting five. I I don't think we have to debate too much. And and last night. It, it was, look at the starting front line. Jokic, 35, Porter, 22. Gordon had a great game. We didn't even talk about him. 15 no. points, 12 rebounds, yeah. 6 assists, oh, um, 1 block. Gordon runs the offense shooting. at times. When I don't worry about the ball handling, that's what I mean. Gordon can handle it. Porter's much less mistake prone. Jokic had 12 assists last night against two turnovers. Jackson had four assists with no turnovers. KCP had seven assists with two turnovers. There's no, there's not a turnover issue with this team. New Orleans had 13 turnovers last night. And the Hawkins kid, I I thought was great. And he only had one of the 13. I mean, he's running the team, scored 31. He had three assists, a steal. He was terrific. And Zion and Ingram had decent games, not great games. Yeah. They they didn't have any trouble. New Orleans shot 50%. The Nuggets won by 18. It's, they outscored it's them 93-55 the last 28 minutes, special. 33 seconds of the game. Enjoy it, everybody. They'll be back at it against the Warriors tomorrow. The Avalanche kind of wobbly right now. They're still 7-3. and three. We're not panicking. But a little wobbly. They'd like to get things right. They have a chance to do so against the Devils tonight. We'll talk about the Avs next. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Drew in. Pass intercepted by Dorfield. Up ahead, Carlson. Rashad score! A bad one on Georgiev. The most he's allowed in the game this year is six. 
And William Carlson has his point streak up to nine. William Carlson on that uh, call from the Vegas Golden Knights television. Carlson had the number six and number seven goals, both by Dorofeyev, by the way, on the assist. Mark Stone had two. Jack Eichel had two. It was that kind of night for the Avs as they lost 7-0 to zero well, to the Vegas Jonathan Golden Knights. wasn't quite as good as I thought. At least not in that night, moment. Uh, not, he gave the puck away, but it was uh, that was a softie on Giorgi. Uh, that, that, that TV description was accurate. That was... That was a soft one. They have a chance tonight to to get right. It will be a game on TNT. They have that late right. 8, 8 p.m. Yeah. face-off. Yeah. The Devils, the former Colorado Rockies, a long, long time ago. Long time. Uh, and a team that those demons were already exercised, I think, when the Avalanche beat the Devils for their second Stanley Cup. So I think that's all soft. Yeah. But yeah. the uh, I actually thought, you know, since Larry Robinson was the coach of the Devils at that time, it was more of uh, uh, the team of Pierre Lacroix's presence, uh, a present, against the team of his youth, which is definitely the Montreal Canadiens. And when the Avalanche put together their big three on defense, in Pierre Lacroix's mind, it was very much an answer to Savard, Lapointe, and, of course, Larry Robinson in the 1970s during the Canadian dynasty, their own big three on defense. And uh, Pierre's answer was to put uh, uh, Bork and Blake together with Foot. Bork and Blake, of course, acquired through trades. And have his own big three. We talked about that a lot. I, yeah. I said, uh, what, what, you got you got a big three of your own. You say, you're damn right. That's what I had and in mind. There, there may never still to this day, that there may never be ever, 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 ever a better, more historical goaltending matchup than that Stanley Cup between Patrick Waugh and Martin Brodeur. You could argue that's that a, they, they were might the be the two best, best of all time. Yeah, they you might could, be the two best goalies in history. You the case that they were. Now, you get an argument, um, especially from the uh, uh, some of the old-timers, uh, because Waugh modeled himself after Jacques Plante. Um, and I saw Jacques Plante later on in his career when perhaps he was past his prime, but I still saw him play some terrific games, especially in the 60s when he was at the end and. In the 70s, I saw him in a playoff series against the Rangers playing for the Bruins, actually, and he was terrible. Uh, he, he was past his prime. But there's Plot, there's Glenn Hall, there's Terry Sawchuck. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you what, changes in the game, yes. Uh, goaltenders, of course, playing without masks back then, commonplace. Right. Plot was the first to don the mask, mm-hmm. and... His coach didn't want to let him wear it at first. And he says, oh, okay, that's fine. Find another goaltender. Yeah. I'm not going back out there. He had just been hit by a puck, and they had to stitch him up. And uh, he said, fine. If you don't want me to wear a mask, find another goaltender. The, I mean, it, it's as good as it's ever been. But obviously, you're seeing a little bit of a, an opportunity here for Miles Wood and Tomas Tatar, who ended oh, yeah. up coming over from the Devils to play against a good team. Now, Jared Bednard missed practice yesterday, was ill. Nolan Pratt, just about 45 minutes ago, assistant coach, uh, addressed the media instead of Bednar. He said that Bednar was in the building, and they hoped to have him back tonight. Uh, boy, if there's ever been game-time decision, yeah, I think yeah. it's that. With a coach? I mean, if, if you're, yeah, if you did the, you're not well enough to do the pregame presser, but but yeah, you're at the building, I, and then maybe I it wouldn't surprise me I if Nolan Pratt's coaching wrong. tonight. I I think Pratt will coach the team tonight. I think they will send Bednar home and say get well and uh, come back in a couple of nights. Uh, Seattle's in town. 
I believe, on Thursday night, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, the Avalanche have a three-game homestand that begins tonight with New Jersey, Seattle on Thursday, and St. Louis on Saturday. Uh, Then they go on the road back to Seattle, home against Anaheim, at Dallas, at Nashville, Vancouver at home, at Minnesota, Calgary at home, six of the next ten at home. That's that's what I would do. Tough road Quite frankly, I get it for Bednar, but I would think the same thing. I'm like, hey, especially while you're at home, just go back home, sleep in your own bed, see how you feel Thursday. And worst case, if it's not better Thursday, you get a whole. You basically almost get a week if you get better, and come back for Saturday against the Blues. You know, it's not like it's not like I don't know about that. It's not like Nolan Platt. Well, if he's sick, he's sick. If you got to miss a couple games, you got to miss a couple games. But I, th- I can't there's imagine a chance he could. If he's, tonight, if he's even going tonight, he I think he'll be yeah. going on Thursday. So you know, missing a game and not the end of the world. I think for uh, it's right. not as if he'll Nolan Pratt's incapable. Uh, if Bednar, you know, isn't good to go enough tonight, but I, I kind of feel the same way. Talked a little bit with Jamal Murray. Like the, the Avalanche have bigger plans. If you're sick, you're sick. Uh, you're at home. Your assistant coaches are ready. Uh, take the night well, off. Uh, let's sleep let, it off. Let's get start to get. Uh, you know, Kale McCarr admitted it. Uh, during that 4 nothing loss at Buffalo about nine days ago, mm-hmm. that uh, he was playing somewhat casually. Casual was and, his And, um, uh, you know, McKinnon needs to get back on, on track, too. And, uh, you know, listen, uh, uh, you know, the Buffalo game, he took the two-minute penalty. He was out for 10 minutes of the misconduct. Um, missed a lot of time in that game. But uh, coming back, I thought he was good against St. Louis. Uh, he was not very good the other night and, and just about, and yes, there were some soft goals on uh, Georgiev, but on just about every goal, there was a giveaway attached. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to note and the, a couple of things that one, many of the players who have kind of been the ones letting them down are their stars. McCarr and, and Absolutely. their stars. And I understand that the, the secondary guys, especially the new guys, have, have have struggled a little bit but, five on five. That's what surprised me about the Avalanche, who even while yeah. winning their first six weren't great five on five. They were great on special teams. The power play was humming. The penalty kill was almost flawless. Uh, but they they have not yet exactly strung together many games in which they were good five on five. Miko Rantanen told we we heard it from from Sean Keeler a little earlier in the program talking to Deion Sanders. Miko Rantanen told. Sean Keelan, Denver Post, yeah. it's the chemistry. And yeah. talked about that so uh, on Monday. It's the little details that we're lacking a little bit. Execution hasn't been good last four games. Power play, five and five, whatever. We've got to execute the game plan better. Especially um, five on five. McCarr continued to say there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Yeah. I think it's yeah. us throwing a lot of pucks away into areas we don't have guys. Um, that just takes time. Remember, especially in the forward lines, six of the 12 forwards are new. Yeah, Six That's of the right. 12. And it's just going to take them a little bit of time. Uh, in in, in yeah. Keeler's article, he argued maybe less tinkering. I don't know if it's necessarily less tinkering. I oh, think at no, the same no. time, you have to get a feel for what each guy can do and, and right. can't do. Right. I just think it will take time. Literally half of your forwards are new. Half. Yeah. Uh, worth and, noting and, as well, Frederick Olofsson, one of those new guys, yeah. um, is day-to-day with an upper body injury. Maybe he goes tonight. Maybe he doesn't. Right. Um I, and, but but I even look at some of the established guys. Rantanen's been great. He's been the most consistent yes. player offensively. He's been the most consistent had. offensive yes. player. Uh, the least consistent has been Nashushkin, who's been either great or horrible yeah. and rarely anywhere in between. Probably and he's fair. just dreadful 
in Las Vegas on Saturday night. And it, it bothers me a little bit because that that's a big game and it, you've got to be better than, than he was. And he went, he was not the only guy who played poorly by any means. In fact, the guys who played poorly as evidenced by the score far outnumbered uh, the guys who played well. And I, I know McCarr who, who's pretty rational on these things said, I went back and watched the game a little bit and it wasn't quite as bad as I, I thought it was, but it still was bad. And uh, Bruce Cassidy, the, the very underrated coach of the Las Vegas Golden Knights who got pushed out in Boston because the players got tired of him, I guess. And, and he's a hard charger as uh, my old colleague and longtime friend Irv Brown used to say. Uh, but I think he's a perfect coach for Las Vegas. And he said after the game, listen, that, you know, they, he all but said, you know, we scored a few goals that were probably a, a little soft and, the game itself territorially was probably not as one-sided as the score made it appear. Uh, we're glad we won, but we didn't face the real avalanche uh, tonight. But we need to. We, we haven't seen the real avalanche in a while. And I would even say the St. Louis game, which they won 4-1, was a bit more of a struggle than it should have been. And I thought, as Rantan said after the game, that in that game the goaltender was their best player. Even though he didn't get the number one star, right? Renton did, it, it, yeah. <laughs> but Renton himself said right? was the best player. So I, I want to see <laughs> a Makar McKinnon as the best player on the ice tonight. That would that would be nice. Yeah, that that's I think what you're really looking for, and I, I think you need the stars to look like stars. You need them to step up. I think there's an opportunity for them to be. Uh, to, to show up here. You know, this is a national game. This Dave, Spyram, Gerard. Yeah. They got, they you, gotta be you, need, you need the big guys to be big, and that needs to happen tonight for, for the Avalanche. Hopefully uh, it does. Keep in mind, by the way, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, big games coming up. Yeah, you know, football's still going on, and you can win a trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Superbook will fly to you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game. They'll give you two tickets to the game and a three-night hotel stay. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now, it's, you know, November, and January 7th, so correct me if I'm wrong, that's two months. You have two months. Two months. Put a $25 same-game parlay up there at Superbook Sports, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com pardon me, for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. couple things going on in sports across the, uh, really, everything. You have a... A major managerial move in baseball. An old friend at quarterback is looking for a job. And uh, the Buffaloes get news news about some things that were stolen. And another little bit of an angle on the Denver Nuggets. We'll talk about them all next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Talking a little bit about uh, the, the Denver Nuggets, obviously, earlier with Brian Blackbird. If you missed any part of that, you can always go to milehighsports.com or the Mile High Sports app and, and check that out. But 
Uh, the emergence of Julian Strother, which, you know, 21 points last night, his first career 20-point outing. And the sort of immediacy in his ability to score is not a shock. We knew that he came out of a, a high-powered, regular, regular top 10 program in Gonzaga and was expected to do an awful lot of things. And for the Nuggets, who are less concerned about whether Julian Strother is a all-star one day or not, and more concerned about what he can do for a team now that has its championship window wide open. It was a very interesting selection that made an awful lot of sense. To see it pay off so quickly is obviously exciting for the Nuggets, but maybe more exciting for the Nuggets is the idea. We, we talked with Ryan about buy-in, right? That uh, when they added Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon was asked, was miscast as kind of an alpha dog, go, go be a leading scorer, not really what he is. Now, in a sort of his... Uh, uh, now time with the, the Nuggets. He's kind of found his zen is the way I put it. He, he's okay with just being Aaron Gordon and the way Aaron Gordon plays works for the Nuggets. doesn't work for a lot of other teams, but it works for him. Michael Porter Jr. has completely bought in at his defense. He almost gets better by leaps and bounds, it seems, almost month after month after month. And this is in part because of Michael Malone to an extent and Nikola Jokic to an extent and Jamal Murray to an extent. This had, You have a leader on the bench and you also have leaders in the locker room. And the Nuggets have built a culture. Julian Strother, after last night's game, uh, was approached by Ronilo Piro. Julian Strother gets who the Nuggets are and gets who he's supposed to be within that already. It really just boils down to, I mean, knowing your job. I mean, that's that's my job. If I'm, if I'm uh, going to get put in the game, I got to make shots. And, and that's what the team expects of me. That's what coach expects of me. So, I mean, when he, when he put me out there, I mean, he kind of just gave me the green light, that, you know, to shoot. And uh, the guys are looking for me, and I'm not going to shy away from the moment. Julian, when you talk about staying ready, what does that look like for you? Uh, I mean, it's preparing as if I'm going to play 48 minutes. Um, having that mindset, um, you never know when your name's going to get called. Just just being engaged in the game, being engaged in the scout, knowing what's going on on the floor, uh, context of the game, like he brought up, uh, just knowing, knowing how things are going, who got it going on their team, uh, things like that. You know, just staying locked in mentally. When, when, when the opportunity's not there. Let me give you a comparison, Sandy, that you would be very familiar with. And this was kind of when I was really starting to understand basketball on a better level. I remember the bad boy Detroit Pistons, because our friend Scott Hastings, uh, Nuggets play-by-play, of course, color man, is uh, one of those as well. They had a guy coming off the bench nicknamed the Microwave, Vinnie Johnson, whose job on the team that was kind of renowned for defense to come up there and get the offense going off the bench too quickly and get scoring. And then by there, you know, making sure that the defense couldn't focus on just the starting lineup, which, you know, the idea, defensive only. Last time I checked, they still had Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas and, uh, and yeah. Bill, Bill Ambier could shoot three. I thought they were underrated yeah. defensively. But Strother, if not the same player, for this Nuggets team, the concept is not dissimilar. This is what they need him to do. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. They, they drafted three certainly seasoned players, but there's no doubt that Strother played on the best team, right? Better than Pinkett's team at Penn State, better than Tyson's team at NC State. You play for Gonzaga, you're you're playing at the highest level. You're a tournament team every year. You're uh, one of the top-seeded teams every year. You've you've played in Final Fours and the like. Uh, So I... I guess I'm not really that surprised that he seems to be the first of uh, the three players to get 
a bit of a shot. Now, uh, you know, I, uh, Ryan Blackburn was right earlier this hour when he said, listen, uh, you know, they're adjusting to circumstances without Jamal Murray. Uh, minutes aren't guaranteed to anybody except maybe to Braun uh, and uh, uh, Brown and uh, Watson at this point. Uh, beyond that, you know, they, they adjust from game to game. But Strother got a shot last night for 19 minutes, put up 21 points, and only turned the ball over once. And, uh, yeah, I think he's probably got to think at times more about passing, but he's right. He's in there to shoot threes and score. And last night that was exactly the job he did. He did what was required in that particular game. Uh, in which there were a lot of points. There are 250 combined points in the game. That's what good teams have, right? Uh, Peyton Watson is out there to be sort of add an element of chaos, especially on the defensive end. Uh, Be out there, be long, be athletic, and kind of wreak some havoc in that regard. Christian Brown is expected to basically sort of lock a guy down and make sure you make the smart plays. You have Strother out there to score. When Jamal Murray is healthy, Reggie Jackson is out there to be the steady veteran presence who's not making a lot of mistakes. But it's a luxury for NBA teams to be able to have a bench in which guys have roles that they know what their roles are that on any given day they go out and go, no, I, I know what my job is. Yeah. The, the way that the salary cap usually works, the way the way you're, you're bringing in your talent, there are a lot of guys that need to come in and be Swiss Army knives. That's normal. But the Nuggets, because the way they've constructed this, don't need to have a lot of guys be Swiss Army knives, which also allows them when they're constructing their roster – to not have to go for that. They can sort of money ball this thing to an extent and say, oh, we need a shooter? We're going to go get Julian Strother. The rest of his game develops? Cool. But we yeah. know we but we know right. we can do that. We need a big body who could maybe play uh, the top two guard positions uh, here and there and give us a little bit of everything. Okay, we'll grab Jalen Pickett. Uh, we need a, a, a larger guy that can shoot for threes and rebound uh, and give us kind of maximum effort, and that's kind of all we need. Anything else a bonus? We'll go grab Hunter Tyson. The, the luxury the Nuggets have right now, it's important, I think, for fans to look at it and realize this does not come around that often. Now, it's, it's what oftentimes leads to championship-caliber clubs. But they're fortunate to have this, and it's one of the reasons that they're off to such a good start. Even with young players, they have set, as you said, seasoned players with skill sets that are developed. Uh, the guys who played double-figure minutes last night, for both teams off the bench, the Nuggets got 37 points, and among Ryan, Daniels, and Nance, 31. Now, I know that wasn't the total bench contribution, but there were a lot of garbage time minutes. Guys got in for a few minutes at the at the end of the game. I'm not including those guys. But, I mean, that's, that's okay. The starters didn't have to score 100 points. And if they win, and especially when they win scoring 134, and the starters, without Murray, you may not get 100 points out of the starters. Because you got Jackson and KCP who weren't known as great scorers, and they, they had 22 points between them last night. That was fine. But the big scoring came from Jokic with 35, Porter with 22, and, yes, Julian Strother with 21. He was their third high scorer in the game. And the game, a lot of points, where that was the personality of the game. He sensed that. And he came in firing. 
I thought it was interesting after the game, Nikola Jokic, who had a hilarious, maybe we'll, maybe we'll grab it for you tomorrow. Uh, Nikola Jokic, who had a hilarious post-game press conference in which he just decided, I already know what you're all going to ask, and just decided to hold court himself, did talk about Strother and said, yeah, we, we thought it was great, but also mentioned he'll learn that when he's having a good shooting night, he's going to get more attention from the defense, and that means somebody else is open. Yes, that's right. Interesting that Jokic would say that straight out in the press conference. And that's, that's part of the, again, it's not just Michael Malone who's kind of running this team. And give Malone, we yeah. talked about this last year, and we did give Malone his credit for that. Yeah. That he it, backed off and let it Jokic. It takes a, a, a coach that is confident yeah. in yourself to basically say, you know what? I have, I have players who can do this, some of this lifting for me, and I don't need to show off and go, I'm the guy in charge. I'm going to do that. And he has let Murray, in many cases, kind of control the locker room. Is the guy that kind of burns and hates losing more than he likes to win at times. Yeah, but, but Jokic is the voice. But Jokic reason. is the voice. When Jokic says something, he's the old, uh, you yeah. know, what is it? The E.F. E. E. Hutton. When Jokic talks, everybody, you know, yes. everyone listens. Because he's smart and he talks like a coach. And, and he spoke about that with Strother. In other words, hey, good game. That was great. Remember, by the way, when you're hot, somebody else is probably open when they're collapsing on you. Talked about Colin Gillespie and said we really liked playing with him. We need him to be more aggressive. Yeah. It's great that he wants to play for the other four guys on the floor. Right. But unless well, he's he also defer, is aggressive. He's, he's in effect right. a rookie. Right. Oh, he's absolutely right. a rookie. And so but I also Strother, like that, I get that, that Jokic gave them yeah, actionable yeah. things to work on because right. he's right. If Gillespie's going to play minutes, it's great that you can facilitate. But if they don't see you as a scoring threat, then yeah. that's also a problem. Yeah. And Jokic is sort of gently reminding these guys, hey, Good job. Here's right. what you can do to take it to the next level. And you hear a guy like Strother talk about it like we did here. And you feel that you've got that kind of player that can accept that coaching from the coaches and also from his veteran teammates. How how many rookies, though, and this is why I like Gillespie, would provoke a Jokic to say, he has to be more aggressive and maybe a little more selfish even. He said it's great that he plays for the other four, yeah. but we need him to be more aggressive. And he wow. said for himself. With most rookies, you have to do what he right. did in talking about Strother, tell him, you know, maybe think about passing a little more, especially when you're double teamed, have a sense when you're double teamed. And some guys don't know when they're double teamed. They're not conscious of it. They think, right. Strother, I'm coming in to score, and I'm going to score. That's why I'm in the game. And, this and is if my I shot? don't score, I'm coming out. And I'm taking my shot from my spots. Well, if there are two guys on you or converging on you, then one person is open with a better shot. Now, again, it's hard for me to argue too much with anyone's play on a night when they score 134 <laughs> and they have 37 assists. Yes. Yeah. So far, now, they so made good. 51 baskets, right? On 37 of the 51... They had assists. Pretty good number. I mean, that's almost 80%. Before we uh, we hop out, I'll give, leave you with this, because, of course, those uh, the college playoff rankings came out during 75%. the uh, uh, yeah course of the, the show, so we'll share that with you oh, real right. quick right. before yeah. we scoot. No surprise in the top four. Of course, there are really five uh, with loss of Air Force in the top uh, 25, only five unbeaten teams. They are ranked one through five. Ohio State, number one. Georgia, two. Michigan, three. Florida State, four. Washington, after its win over USC, jumps to five. Your next five, Oregon at six. Texas at seven. Alabama at eight. Ole Miss at nine. Penn State at 10. And I will go down to Louisville at 11 because all six of those teams are eight and one. Keep in mind, this week, Georgia at two. 
hosts Ole Miss at number nine, and Michigan at three travels to go play number ten Penn State. So a little yeah. more clarity coming in college football. Penn we'll State touch upon kind of that. The Dallas Cowboys of major college football, right? <laughs> they get into these big games, and they're a good team, but sort of something always seems to kind of go wrong. Wall, but. We'll talk more about that. There's a bunch of things that we can discuss, of course, uh, over the course of the week, and we'll do more of it with you. Thanks to Ryan Blackburn for joining us tomorrow. Uh, Taylor Kilgore from Fox 31 will join us to talk about uh, everything going on in Colorado sports, of which, as you know, if you've been listening, there is a bunch. Danny Bailey's in the booth that makes everything go. Thanks to all of you who interacted with us and also everyone who listened, of course, whether it's FM, HD radio, whether you were at MyLifeSports.com or got the MyLifeSports app, which I highly recommend. And while you're at it, by the way, uh, grab that Colorado Preps app, too, because the uh, high school playoffs are in full swing. You'll want to have that ready for the weekend. We'll be back tomorrow, but you don't have to go anywhere. For Danny Bailey and Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Keep it right here on My Life Sports.